Hi there. Welcome to Unaborted with Seth Gruber. Hey, we have a special episode for you today entitled Why Everyone Should Be Pro-Life. And this is a lecture that I gave at Santa Fe Christian High School in Solana Beach in San Diego County last year to a wonderful group of conservatives at a political philosophy club on campus where a lot of them drugged their pro-choice friends as well. And we had a good big turnout. So this is a fun, a special episode for you, especially during this coronavirus time where you're probably listening to a lot more content, watching a lot more shows. And this will just give you some of those tools to really easily implement into your life and into your conversations on abortion and in defending life. So if you are enjoying Unaborted, if you've been listening to the show for a little while, head on over to iTunes, to Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube, subscribe to the show and give us a five-star rating and review. Let us know what you think. It really helps us reach more people, particularly now when people are hunkered down looking for content. We want to reach those people with a pro-life message. You're listening to Unaborted with Seth Cooper. Awesome. Good to be here with you guys. I love that the majority are female because as it turns out, the feminist movement is not a pro-choice movement. The feminist is a pro-life movement because feminists believe that all women are equal in value, which means all women have to be equal in value from the moment that they're females which would be the moment of conception. So this is very encouraging to have so many women here today. By raise of hands, how many of you would agree that it's wrong to kill an infant, a newborn, already born, outside of the uterus? Okay, good, that should be everyone. If it wasn't everyone, come pray with me afterwards. So I'm glad you agree with that. Now, does anyone want to yell out why it's wrong to kill infants? Very good answer, anyone else? They're innocent. They're innocent. And they're human beings, right? And we believe it's always wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings without proper justification. Can I get an amen? Amen. Absolutely. So I'm going to be talking to you today about why everyone should be pro-life. This is very important and this is very significant because only by protecting the most defenseless members of our society can we maintain justice, And can we maintain equal treatment for all human beings? You see, if you can justify in your mind the barbaric mistreatment of the most defenseless members of the society, how much easier is it to justify the mistreatment of anyone else? It's only by protecting the rights of our most defenseless human beings that we can maintain human equality for all human beings. So my thesis and my statement this afternoon is simple. Everyone should be pro-life because everyone should be opposed to killing innocent human beings without proper justification. And so I'm going to make a very simple argument for why everyone should be pro-life. And I encourage you to follow what is called the common master. The common master is reason. Follow reason where it leads. Follow the argumentation where it leads. And if you don't have good reasons for rejecting the argument, if there's no logical fallacies, then you should follow truth wherever it leads. Feel free to fact check me on anything I say this afternoon so that you're encouraging yourself to educate yourself. Don't take my word for anything that I say this afternoon. So I'm going to make a simple defense as to why everyone should be pro-life. And I'm going to make it in the form of a syllogism. Is anyone familiar with what a syllogism is? Yes. What is it? Like, oh, no, never mind. Okay, no worries. A syllogism is simply a form of argumentation that lays out your basic premises. And if both premises are true, logical, and sound, 
If there's no reason to reject the premises themselves, then the conclusion would naturally follow. So here is our syllogism, simple defense of why everyone should be pro-life. Premise one says this, it's always wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings without proper justification. Now notice, I'm not arguing that all killing is always wrong. If someone breaks into your home and tries to murder you and your family, I'm guessing you would respond with equal force. You're entitled to protect your family. So notice, I'm not arguing this morning that all killing is always wrong, but that intentionally killing innocent human beings without proper justification is always wrong. So I think we can agree with premise one, right? It's always wrong to intentionally kill innocent humans without proper justification. Good, I'm seeing a lot of nodding of heads. So if that's logical, true, and sound, and we accept that, then we move on to premise two, which says abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being without proper justification. If those premises are both true and sound, the conclusion that naturally follows is that abortion is always wrong, right? Now, if you're not pro-life, or there's people in your life who are not pro-life, it's going to be premise two that you take an issue with, right? If you want to avoid the consequences of this logical argumentation, you would have to reject premise two in order to avoid becoming pro-life. So what is in premise two that we have to defend if you're going to follow the argumentation that everyone should be pro-life? Well, we have to examine, is the unborn a human being? Because I just said abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being. So we have to examine, is the unborn a human being? We have to examine, does abortion intentionally kill? And then lastly, we have to examine, is abortion ever justified? Because notice I said, without proper justification. So let's look at each one of those briefly. Is the unborn a human being? Is it accurate to say that? Well, according to the science of embryology, which is simply the biology of humans before they're born, right? The study of embryos. Embryo is a term that describes a human being at a certain level of their physical development. So you used to be a zygote, then you were an embryo, then you were a fetus, then you were a newborn, then you were an infant, then you were a toddler, then you were a teenager. These are all terms that describe the same human being at different levels of their development. So according to the science of embryology, which you should be learning in your biology classrooms, here's what we learn. From the moment of conception, when sperm and egg cease to exist and there's a new human being at conception, that human being is a distinct, living, and whole human being. Okay, what do those terms mean? Distinct, living, and whole. Distinct means separate, right? Distinct means you're unique. Distinct means I'm not you and you're not me. According to the objective science of unborn human life, the baby in the womb is a distinct human being. Do you know what that means? It means the body in her body is not her body. So the mantra, her body, her choice would have to be wrong. Because according to the science, there's a distinct human being in your body. By the way, if the body in her body is her body, do you know the strange intellectual conclusions you're forced to deal with? Pregnant women have 20 fingers and 20 toes, two brains, two hearts, two different blood types, two different DNA codes. Oh, and if she's pregnant with a boy, now pregnant women have penises. <laughs> so apparently the body in her body is not her body. And this makes sense because this is what the science of embryology teaches. You were a distinct human being from the moment of conception. Living, because guess what? Dead things don't grow and the unborn child meets all of the requirements for a living thing. And the baby develops themselves from within. Pregnant women don't will their unborn children to grow. They freaking develop themselves. So they're living. Distinct, living, and whole. W-H-O-L-E. Not a hole in the ground, a whole human being. What is a whole human being? We tend to confuse wholeness with level of development. Oh, you're a whole human being. You're, you're developed, right? Incorrect assumption. A whole human being is simply a human being that has everything they need to realize their full growth and development as one of us. So you're teenagers, correct? So you're not 21. 
Do you have everything you need to realize your development as a 21 year old? Yeah, you're not lacking a limb, you're not lacking any DNA. Like you'll get to 21, right? Given time, unless someone kills you and dismembers you, which is what abortion does to every unborn child. I'm 28, I'm not 40. I have everything I need to realize my development as a 40 year old, even though I'm not there yet. By the way, they say that men don't reach their intellectual peak until their 40s, which was very good news for my wife recently. (laughs) She was very encouraged by that. So you see, I'm still developing. Similarly, the unborn child has everything they need to realize their full growth and development as one of us, even though they're not fully developed yet. This is what it means to be a whole human being. That's what the science of embryology teaches us. And it's ironic, isn't it, that the pro-choice movement claims to be the movement of pro-science while sticking their head in the ground fully up to their shoulders and avoiding any type of objective reality based on the science of embryology. So the baby is a baby. The baby is a human. This is plain, undisputed scientific fact. Dr. Jeremy Leguin, a professor of genetics at the University of Descartes, testified before a congressional hearing in 1981, answering the question, what is the unborn? What is this thing in the womb? Here's what he said. After fertilization or conception has taken place, a new human being has come into being. It is no longer a matter of taste or opinion. It is plain experimental evidence. Each individual has a very neat beginning at conception. Every human being began at the moment of conception. Okay, so we've examined the first part of premise two, right? I said abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being. Is it a human being? The answer is yes. Now, secondly, does abortion intentionally kill? That's the other assumption in that premise. Does abortion intentionally kill? I want to read you a quote from Dr. Warren Hearn. Now, who is Warren Hearn? Well, he wrote a textbook called Abortion Practice, and it's the leading textbook that teaches medical students how to kill babies in the womb. It's the leading textbook that trains medical students how to perform abortions, i.e. how to dismember the limbs of babies in their mother's wombs. This guy is no pro-life advocate. And this is what he said in his book. We have reached a point in this particular technology where there is no possibility of denial of an act of destruction by the operator. Who's the operator? The abortionist. Who's destructed? The unborn child. It is before one's eyes. The sensations of dismemberment flow through the forceps like an electric current. This guy teaches people how to kill babies in the womb. So does abortion intentionally kill an innocent human being? Well, this abortionist who wrote the leading textbook on how to kill babies says yes. Camille Paglia, a pro-choice academic and social critic and professor at the University of Arts in Philadelphia, no friend of the pro-life movement, wrote a 2008 Salon.com article where she said this, hence, I have always frankly admitted that abortion is murder. This is a pro-choice individual. She calls it the destruction of the powerless by the powerful. And she says that liberals, for the most part, have shrunk from facing the ethical consequences of their embrace of abortion, which results in the annihilation of concrete individuals and not just clumps of insensate tissue. So does abortion intentionally kill an innocent human being? Well, according to the pro-choice movement, it does. According to leading pro-abortion activists and abortionists, it indeed does. It's very difficult, though, to communicate the horror that abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being if you never have to look at what abortion does to an unborn child. Abortion is an abstraction in the minds of Americans. Some of us think of the word abortion and we think Holocaust. Some of us think of the word abortion and we think feminism and women's rights. You see the vast disconnect in the minds of Americans when the word abortion is said? You know how we need to level the playing field? 
by looking at what abortion does. Ephesians 5.11 says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. By the way, if abortion is reproductive health care and reproductive health care is a good thing, it sounds like a good thing. Shouldn't we be able to look at what reproductive health care looks like? I think so. So we're going to show you a short 55 second video clip that shows you what abortion is and does to unborn babies. Now, it is graphic and it is disturbing. And for that reason, we're going to give you the opportunity to close your eyes, avert your gaze, look down at your feet. Okay. We've actually put instrumental music over the video so that if you avert your gaze or close your eyes, you won't even hear anything you don't want to hear. I'm not here to manipulate you or trick you into watching something that you would have opted out of watching from in the first place. Okay. So when the music begins, you have the complete freedom and option to avert your gaze. And I invite you to wait for the pizza until this finishes because it's a weird clashing of food with this right now. But we do need to look at what abortion is and does to the unborn child. So without any further ado, let's play this short video clip. I just want you to know that I don't show you that imagery to shame or condemn anyone in this room. And if you've had an experience with abortion, I would love to talk with you afterwards and we would love to pray over you. And if you haven't experienced healing, I want you to know that Jesus is just as eager to forgive the sin of abortion as any other sin. Abortion is not a blacklist sin that bans you from the grace of God. And if you don't believe that, I encourage you to remember the story of King David, who after he slept with Bathsheba and committed adultery and created a new human being, he arranged to have her husband murdered. King David, a man after God's own heart, arranged the death of an innocent person. Abortion arranges the death of an innocent person, but there was grace for King David and there's grace for you. And King David said regarding his baby that died, he will not return to me, but I will go to him. That means that not only is Jesus faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, it also means that if you cry out for the forgiveness of your sins, you're going to see your baby in heaven again one day. That is the truth in the gospel. So we don't show this to shame or condemn anyone. And if this is a personal experience, I would love to talk to you afterwards so you can begin a journey of healing because God wants to use your ashes to create beauty. However, we do have to show this imagery because of the disconnect in the country when the word of abortion is said. Some people think reproductive health care. Some people say reproductive justice as Julian Castro, a Democratic presidential hopeful, recently described abortion. You see, it's justice to dismember babies in their mother's wombs. Some of us think a modern day Holocaust and some of us think genocide. You see the disconnect? This levels the playing field so that the, when the word abortion is said, everyone's thinking about the same thing. We need to humanize our unborn neighbors while also showing the inhumanity of abortion. So does abortion intentionally kill an innocent human being? I don't know how you can be morally consistent. Watch that and say, no, it doesn't. Those were little babies, friends, created in the image of God who share our common human nature and dignity. And with the exception of that last baby, those were all babies killed in the first trimester, the first three months. Over 90% of abortions are performed in the first trimester. Under the guise, it's just a blob of tissue. Did those look like blobs of tissue to you? They looked like little babies, didn't they? And that's what you looked like at that stage of development in your mother's womb. So I'm defending the second premise that abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being without proper justification. I've shown it's a human being. I've shown that it intentionally kills a human. The third thing I have to defend is, is abortion ever justified? Because I said without proper justification. Many pro-choice individuals will argue that sometimes abortion is justified. It's needed. So two questions. Is abortion ever medically justified? The answer is no. Many people think that if the mother's life is threatened and the continuation of the pregnancy might lead to the mother's death, that the solution is an abortion. 
You do not need to intentionally dismember the baby to save the mother's life. You can either induce early labor and deliver the baby prematurely, or you can perform a cesarean section, a C-section, to remove the baby. Now, if the baby is not developed enough to survive outside the womb, the baby will likely die. But do you see the moral difference between delivering the baby and giving them their best chance at life and going in with forceps and ripping limbs off? Do you see the difference? Very different. When we deliver a baby early because we have to in order to save the mother's life, the intention is not to kill the baby, is it? What's the intention? To save the life of the mother. What is the intention in every abortion? A dead baby. Intention is very important from a moral perspective. So is abortion ever medically justified? No, because you can always deliver the baby early or perform a C-section, save the mother's life, and give the baby the best chance at survival, especially as our scientific and medical advancements continue to advance to save preemie babies at earlier and earlier stages. So it's never justified medically. In fact, the Dublin Declaration is a declaration of over 1,000 signatures right now of OBGYNs, nurses, midwives, doctors, medical professionals, and neonatologists all agreeing with this statement. Abortion is never medically necessary. And so it's never justified. Okay, how about is abortion ever morally justified? It's not medically needed or justified. What about morally? The answer is again, no. Now, pro-choice individuals are going to argue that abortion is morally justified, right? Obviously, that's their contention, right? That's the argument of the pro-choice movement. Abortion is morally permissible or morally necessary, or some people even say a moral good. There's a whole movement right now called hashtag shout your abortion. So see, it wasn't just morally necessary for you in that time of life. You should be proud about it. You should shout it. So their argument is that abortion is morally justified. How does the pro-choice movement argue that abortion is morally justified? In In other words, what do their arguments look like for the defense of abortion? Well, generally, the defense of abortion is going to say that the unborn child may be a human, because you kind of look stupid if you ignore the science of embryology. But they're going to say that the unborn child is not a person. Let me suggest to you, friends, that every time the term human being and person have been separated, disastrous consequences have followed. This is what Nazis did to Jews, and this is what white racists did to blacks in our country. Both the German Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court said that Jews and blacks were not full persons and subhuman. Anytime you separate human being from person and say, these people are humans, but they're not persons. And because they're not persons, they don't have the rights we have. And because they don't have the rights we have, we can kill them. And now the U.S. Supreme Court does that to unborn children. In 1973, when abortion was legalized, when they said that unborn children are not persons in the eyes of the law. This is the argument from the pro-choice movement. Unborn babies are not persons because, you know, they're so different from us. They're different in so many ways. Okay, so if the argument is that you can kill babies in the womb because they're different than us, what are the differences that pro-choice people say the unborn differs from us in? And so, therefore, it's justifiable to kill them. There are four differences between the unborn baby in the womb and you and I. And those differences are summarized in a very helpful acronym called SLED. Now, SLED is a very difficult concept for us in Southern California, where we can't even spell the word snow. But work with me, especially today. (laughs) SLED stands for the four differences between unborn people and born people. And they're the four differences that pro-choice people use to say that unborn babies are not persons. So this will help you respond to pro-choice arguments. The four differences are size, level of development, environment, and dependency. 
Size, level of development, environment, and dependency. Let's look at each of those briefly. S stands for size. Is the unborn child smaller than the newborn child? But aren't newborn children smaller than toddlers and toddlers smaller than teenagers? Who in here is under six foot three? You're all smaller than me and not persons and I can kill you. <laughs> well, that's pretty disgusting, Seth. Yeah, it is, because human rights and human value isn't based on size, is it? What do pro-choicers say about unborn children? Oh, you mean that blob of tissue you can't even see in the first five weeks? How could that be a person with rights? But do we have value and humanity in virtue of our size or in virtue of our humanity? in virtue of our humanity, because we all differ according to size, don't we? So if it would be wrong for me to kill you because you're smaller than me, it's equally wrong to kill unborn children simply because they're smaller than us. So size is not a good reason to kill unborn babies. But that's the first difference that pro-choicers use to deny personhood to the unborn. The second is level of development. Yes, it's true the unborn child is less developed than the newborn child. But aren't newborn children less developed than toddlers? Aren't toddlers less developed than teenagers? I'm 28, which means all of you, with the exception of the teachers and parents, are less developed than me in virtue of being younger. Your younger siblings are less developed than you in virtue of being younger. Your grandparents are more developed than your parents in virtue of being older. But if human value comes from level of development, does that mean that it's okay for grandparents to kill their grandsons because the grandsons are less developed? What a silly contention. Because human value and a right to life doesn't come from level of development, does it? It comes from a human nature, which we all share. So what does the pro-choice movement say about unborn children? Ah, oh, come on. The baby can't feel pain yet. It can't survive outside the womb. It doesn't have brain waves. It's not conscious. It's not sentient. Its heart's not beating yet. So we can kill it. What is necessary for the unborn child to realize those capacities? A level of development. They will realize all of those capacities with a level of development, won't they? So if it would be wrong for me to kill you because you're less developed than me, it's equally wrong to kill unborn children simply because they're less developed than us if they're human beings. And the science has spoken they're human beings. Size, level of development, the first two differences between unborn people and born people. And notice they're the same differences we all differ in. The third difference that pro-choicers use to deny personhood to the unborn is environment or location, the environment you find yourself in. Is the unborn child located in a very unique environment? Yeah, it's called the womb, right? It's called the uterus. By the way, you're all former womb dwellers, by the way. We all came from wombs, and none of us got here without starting in a womb. So the baby is exactly where they're supposed to be. The womb is exactly where that unborn child is supposed to be. But notice, we're all in different locations right now, aren't we? In fact, the distance between us is a significantly further distance than the unborn child travels during childbirth. The baby moves all of six inches through the birth canal. A change in location. And our country says it is both moral, legal, and just to dismember you limb from limb simply because you're in the womb, which is where you're supposed to be. But do you know any pro-choicers who advocate for killing babies already born? I don't. With the exception of a few morally depraved philosophers, every pro-choice person rejects the killing of that same baby once they're born. But does the baby receive some magical personhood conferring fairy dust as it's born? Oh, now you're out of the womb. Congratulations. Personhood, human rights. Where one is has no relation to who one is. So if it would be wrong for me to kill you because you're located over there and not up here, 
It's equally wrong to kill the baby simply because they're located six inches away where they're supposed to be. The womb, where you came from. As Ronald Reagan says, I've noticed everyone who's for abortion has already been born. So you're all unaborted human beings. You made it. Your mother made the right choice. And now every unaborted human being, every pro-choicer who is an unaborted human being, advocates for the moral and legal right to kill other babies before they're born. Where one is has no bearing on who one is. Size, level of development, environment or location, and dependency. The fourth difference between unborn people and born people, and the fourth difference that pro-choicers use to deny personhood to the unborn and justify killing them. Is the unborn child dependent on the mother? Yeah, of course. And in that first three months, it's called the first trimester. And the second trimester, early second trimester, the unborn child could not survive apart from their dependency on their mother. Now, many pro-choice moderates, meaning pro-choicers who don't support abortion to the day of birth, just up to like the second trimester or third trimester, some pro-choice moderates say, okay, pro-lifer, I'll agree with you that abortion is wrong once the baby can survive outside the womb. Another way of putting that is once they're not dependent on their mother. Okay, then I'll admit once they're not dependent on their mother that it's wrong to kill them. But did you know that medical and scientific advancements are enabling us to make unborn children not dependent on their mother at earlier and earlier stages? So if your right to life and right to not be killed by someone else only starts once you're not dependent on your mother and can survive outside the womb, does that mean that human value and a right to life constantly shifts and changes based off of how advanced our medical and scientific advancements are? What a strange world. Because our human value isn't based on our dependency on someone or something else, is it? It's based on our human nature. The unborn baby is supposed to be dependent on the mother at that stage of their development. That doesn't mean they don't have value. Similarly, I think we can all think of born people in our lives who might be dependent, same word, right? Dependent on caretakers, heart pacemakers, kidney machines, insulin if you're a diabetic, or even life support. Notice they're all dependent on something without which they cannot continue to live. Can we kill them and call them non-persons because they're dependent on someone or something else? <clears throat> Just like the unborn baby is dependent on someone else, the very person they're supposed to be dependent on their mothers. So these are the four differences between unborn people and born people. And they're the differences that pro-choicers use to strip personhood from the unborn and say we can kill them. Notice the unborn differs from us in the same ways that we differ from one another. Does that make sense? We all differ according to our, what? Size. Size, level of development, location, and dependency. So if it would be wrong for me to kill you based off of those differences, it's equally wrong to kill unborn children based off of those differences. If what? If they're human beings. And the science of embryology speaks loudly and clearly that those are human beings from the moment of conception. So I have fairly adequately defended the second premise, which is that abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being. I've showed that they're a human being. We know they're innocent because nobody snuck an AK-47 into the womb. So they're not shooting back. They're not killing you. They're innocent. I've shown that there's no justification for abortion, and I've shown that abortion does, inden- does indeed intentionally kill an innocent human being. So if both premises are correct, then the conclusion follows, and let me recite them both for you. Premise one, it's always wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings without proper justification. We all agreed with that one, remember? Premise two, abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being without proper justification. If both of the premises are true, logical, and sound, the conclusion follows, which is that abortion is always wrong. 
Friends, abortion is an issue of human equality, you see? It's not an issue of reproductive health care, feminism, or women's rights. It's an issue of human equality. What does that mean, human equality? It means, are we all equal based off of our humanity? Or are some human beings more valuable and some less valuable? And the more valuable ones get to dictate if you can kill the less valuable ones. Because the unborn is indeed a human being. So abortion fits into the larger issue of human equality. Are all humans equal in value or are some less valuable and can therefore be justifiably killed? I am the equality advocate. The pro-life movement is the equality advocates because they're the only ones saying that it's always wrong to intentionally kill all innocent human beings, whether born or unborn. So abortion is always wrong because it is a choice for the death of an innocent baby, a human being who differs from us in the same ways that we differ from one another, namely according to size, level of development, environment, and dependency, and yet is still a distinct living and whole human being with equal rights. So look around the room and look at one another. This is the chance for the men to check out the girl they've been wanting to ask out on a date. (laughs) And ask yourself this simple question. What do we all have in common? What do we all have in common? Are you equal according to your academic talent and athleticism? Are you equal according to your age, size, and gender? You don't have anything in common except a human nature. That's the only thing all human beings have in common is a human nature. It's only by grounding our human value and our right to life in our human nature that we can maintain human equality. This is why I am pro-life. This is why you should be pro-life. And this is why everyone should be pro-life. Now go out there and give them heaven. Thank you. Well, I hope that has equipped you to go out there and give people heaven and give people life and give people a message of hope, particularly at such an unsure time when we're really not sure how long we're going to be hunkered down in our homes. But thank you for tuning in. Hey, listen, if you like this episode and this was helpful to you and you believe that more people would benefit if they heard this type of messaging and equipping that more people would change their position and their minds, then consider becoming a patron of the show. Head on over to patreon.com slash unaborted to become a patron of the show. Listen, Greg Cunningham, one of the longtime pro-life leaders, once said that there are more people working full-time to kill babies than there are working full-time to save them. That's because killing babies is very profitable, while saving babies is very costly. The pro-abortion movement makes a lot of money on killing babies, and unfortunately, the pro-life movement spends a lot of money that is usually made through donors to save those babies, and so we're significantly disadvantaged in that way. So we need more people of life supporting ministries of life so that we can change minds, change hearts, and save lives. And so we're going to be looking at creating more online content over here at Unaborted given the time that we're in, given that a lot of people are going to be having a lot more time to listen to content and listen to shows. So if you want to help the team over here at Unaborted grow, consider becoming a patron of the show at $5, 10 15 $20 a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash unaborted. And if you want to learn more about me and my ministry and speaking to young people and to Christian leaders and pastors, then head on over to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com to sign up for my newsletter and get regular updates and pro-life training delivered to your inbox. Lastly, share this episode with someone you know. Share this with a pro-life friend. Tell someone about the show and share this with a pro-choice friend.
friend in your life who's maybe never heard such a winsome and persuasive defense of the pro-life case before. Stay tuned in. We'll be right back next week with a whole lot more. This is Unaborted with Seth Gruber. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.